Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoyed today's program. The first item that a person encountered when entering the outer court of the tabernacle in the Old Testament was the altar of burnt offering. It was here that he brought and offered his offerings to Jehovah on account of his own sins and trespasses. Bible teachers have long realized that this picture of the altar points us to the very cross of Jesus Christ, where Christ offered himself up to God for the sins of the people. But within the altar was a grate of bronze where the fire was burned and where the offering was actually consumed. What does this grate represent, and how about the four bronze rings on the corners of the grate? If the altar is a clear type, so are these inner components, a much more mysterious type of Christ's redemption. And joining us again today for a program I think will be memorable for all of us is Dennis Agashi. Dennis, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be back again. Dennis, we're going to come back today to another message dealing with the altar, and particularly this bronze grate that was actually the inner component of the altar. Give us a little picture visually of what the altar was like and some of the things that we've seen thus far that it represents in Christ's redemption. Well, Chris, I think we can see that Brother Lee has spent quite a bit of time on this matter of the altar of burnt offering. I'd like to initially comment by stating that this is not a picture that we can just look at from the distance, but the material, the measurement, the location, all the items of the Old Testament tabernacle are very significant. They're full of rich and profound meanings. And I'm so appreciative that Brother Lee in his ministry has covered these items in details. And what a privilege it is, Chris, to get into them and see the weight and the depth of the Word. Related to your question about the matter of the altar and what it looks like, the altar in its material is bronze representing God's judgment. There we can see that the altar is a good picture of the cross of Christ. There Christ offered himself as our sacrifice for our redemption. There God judged Christ for forgiveness of our sins. In addition to that, this is the common knowledge about the altar of burnt offering in the Old Testament tabernacle, Chris, but I appreciate that we will go more into the depths. What is on the altar? We see the grate with the four rings. And I think this is the focus of our broadcast. The common understanding even I've seen, I think most of us have seen maybe artist renditions of what people thought it might have looked like, and it had these horns on the four corners, of course. But the general feeling is uh, pretty much, I think, that it was a flat kind of a table upon which the fire was built by the priests and the offering was was laid. But according to the description, it's brief in Exodus chapter 27, but according to this description, really, the altar was somewhat an empty box, except for this grate that was placed halfway up 
inside the altar. And the grate, as it turns out, is a most significant component. And this is the part that is very fresh, I think, in our life study particularly. I'm not aware of any other uh, expositors of the Old Testament that really touched the grate to the depth that we're seeing it in these programs. Are you, Dennis? No, I agree with you, Chris. Brother Lee is very, I would say, admirable in this aspect, that there is a picture in the Old Testament. He doesn't let it go. He studies it, and he passes on through the revelation of the Lord's light the deep, intrinsic meaning for us. We think about the redemption of Christ in an ordinary way, in a common way. Christ redeemed us, saved us from our sins. Thank you, Lord. But we can see the Old Testament picture show us the depths and the real meaning of Christ's redemption. And I think I would even say, as Brother Lee has stated, the mystery of Christ's redemption is found and is seen in the greats with the four rings. Well, Dennis, it's these details that uh, are so significant we find out. Nothing is wasted. Nothing was meaningless or superfluous or inconsequential in God's holy revelation. And especially we come to the matter of the redeeming Christ. How can we ignore any of the details? That's correct. Let's look at a couple of the verses we're going to be talking about today, Dennis, from chapter 27. I'll just read verses 4 through 7. And you shall make a grating, and that's G-R-A-T-I-N-G, a grating, a network of bronze for it. And on the net you shall make four bronze rings at its four ends. And you shall put it below under the ledge of the altar, so that the net may reach halfway up the altar. And you shall make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze. And its poles shall be put into the rings, and the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar when it is carried. All of these things, Dennis, the grating, the rings, the poles, these are the inward parts of the altar of burnt offering. Let's join Witness Lee. Actually, I uh, got much burden on this uh, piece of the furniture on the altar related to the tabernacle. I feel very much burdened to uh, share with you the mysteries of the uh, redemption of Christ. The great and the foreigners are types are prefigures of the uh, mysteries of the redemption of Christ. First of all, no doubt the great depicts the uh, mystery of Christ's redemption. Why? Because all the burning woods and the uh, pieces of the meat or the flesh of the sacrifices are put on the grate. The grate holds, bears all the things. And uh, the burning fire burns the wood and burns the sacrifices on what? On the grate. Now, what are the four rings? They are a complete type of the eternal spirit. We have much to say about the spirit. Well, you may say, it is not the four rings that accomplish redemption. That's right. It is not the four rings, but the great. The great accomplishes the burning. The great 
accomplishes redemption. And we know the foreigners are the spirit. And the greed is Christ. It is not the spirit that accomplishes the redemption, but Christ. But I would check where the greed stands. The greed has nothing to hold it, but the foreigners. No need to say at the time when the altar moves, even when the altar stands there, and the greed is upheld by what? By the rings. The upholding power is what? Is the four rings. This is why we have one strong verse. That is Hebrew 9.14. Surely these four rings are a clear and complete type of the eternal spirit. Through whom? Christ offered himself to God as our sin offering. To the spirit. Dennis, the altar was constructed with a bronze grate in the middle, as we've been talking today. And this is where the actual burning of the offering took place. In other words, this grate represents the very point or very place of redemption. Now, today our point is that the entire weight of this grating was upheld by these four rings that were fashioned at the corners. Rings are significant in typology in the Bible, Dennis. What do they represent here, and what's the connection between the rings and the redemption of Christ that we see in the grading? I think we can see that all the real Bible teachers share the same thought, that the rings represent the eternal spirit. Then we see that the great represent the redeeming Christ, or the place of Christ's redemption. I think the profound thought that we have today, Chris, is to see that there is a connection between the redemption of Christ and the eternal spirit. And I believe this is what Brother Lee brought out, and this is his burden in the life study today. Well, Dennis, right at the end of his speaking, he uh, made reference to a New Testament verse in Hebrews chapter 9 relating to this matter of the eternal spirit. Let me read this verse. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Of course, the uh, point today, as far as we're concerned, is this matter of the offering of the blood was through the eternal spirit. What can you say about this connection? And again, of course, we're seeing that spirit typified by these rings that were incorporated into the corners of the grating. The grading really depicts the mystery of Christ's redemption. The rings represent the eternal spirit. So you have here the relationship between Christ's redemption and the eternal spirit. This picture, the altar of burnt offering, simply signifies that the redemption of Christ rests upon the power of the eternal spirit. The grading signifies Christ, and the rings signify the spirit. Christ, not the Spirit, is the one who accomplished redemption. However, apart from the eternal Spirit, the four rings, the grading has no support. The upholding power is in the rings, in the eternal Spirit, not in the grading itself. This is, I think, the profound thought of the program. We have never heard a message on Christ offering himself to God by and through the eternal Spirit. This Christ who died an all-inclusive death, he died an all-inclusive death through 
through the eternal spirit, the spirit who is eternal, who is without beginning, without ending. And I think the question here, Chris, as you alluded to, is why was it necessary for Christ to die on the cross through the spirit? It's easy for us when we read Hebrews 9.14 to delineate that sentence, who through the eternal spirit, or that particular phrase, because it doesn't fit our Christian understanding. But I think this is the essence of the program today. Dennis, this is a profound, you said, I think, a profound point. We have to agree, and in our time together, even preparing for our recording today, we realize we're touching something that has immense, eternal profoundness or profundity, but a point that I think has to touch all of us without the power of the Spirit incorporated into the indescribable act of Christ's redemption. The power just isn't there. That's correct, Chris. Let's go back to Witness Lee. We'll look to him and to the Lord to help us further get through this marvelous point. Why Christ needed to die on the cross through the Spirit? This man, Jesus, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Then, when he came out to minister as a Nazarene, at his baptism, he was what? He was anointed by the Spirit. Then, from that time onward, he was all the time under the leading of the Spirit. He didn't do anything apart from this leading Spirit. He lived that kind of crucial life under the leading of the Holy Spirit. So, in Matthew 12, he told us when he cast out the demons, he did it by the power of the Spirit. He was a man doing things, number one, under the leading of the Spirit, and number two, by the power of the Spirit. He was a man not doing things according to his own will, according to his own wishes, desire. He was living, moving, and acting according, what? According to the leading of the Spirit and by the power of the Spirit. Then the time came that he had to die. And he went there. He is going to the cross. Was not according to his own wishes. Was not according to his own desire. But according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the Nazarene, did such a death. Through what? Through the eternal spirit. Amen. Why Christ needed the eternal spirit That's right. to offer himself on the cross to God. Why? As a man. He never did anything by himself on his own. He did everything all the time under the leading of the spirit and by the power of this eternal spirit. So now, by this you can see, the great, with all its weight, 
with all its bearings, the wooden sacrifices, the entire weight is borne by the four rings. Whatever the great accomplishes becomes powerful, becomes effective. The power, the strength, the efficacy of the redemption that is accomplished by the great all depends upon what? Upon the four rings. All depends upon the eternal spirit. Well, Dennis, as a man, the Lord Jesus did everything according to and by the power of the Spirit. I think this is clear to any serious reader of the Bible. But it also became a pattern that he followed even through his offering of himself on the cross. I think this makes this picture even more meaningful, doesn't it? That all of the weight of the grate and the fire and the animal offering placed on the grate, every bit of this was borne by these four rings at the corners. That's correct, Chris. Christ did not become a man suddenly. Rather, he went through the normal process of conception delivery. He lived on the earth as a man for 33 and a half years. He died as a man. Everything he did was as a man, but though he was God. So today, we have to see that our Christ is both God and man or the genuine God-man, the complete God and the perfect man. Yet, this man was not an ordinary man because he was conceived out of or of the Holy Spirit. Everything he did in his human life was under the leading of the Spirit. He was lived, he moved, he acted, he worked, he ministered all together under the leading of the Spirit. He didn't do anything which was not under the leading of the Spirit. Here we can see the relationship between the great, the redeeming Christ, and the Spirit, the four rings. Christ was such a man who was a God-man, yet under the leading of the Spirit. Then, even the matter of crucifixion, when he died on the cross, he did this through and under the leading of the Spirit. This means, Chris, as you stated, that the full weight of the grating was borne by the rings. Whatever Christ accomplished by the grating is powerful and efficacious. The power, the strength, the efficacy of the redemption accomplished by Christ as the great depends on the four rings. In other words, the power of Christ's redemption depends on the eternal spirit. This shows us the relationship between Christ and also the spirit. Hmm. The connection there is just tremendous, and I think we have to uh, be impressed. There's something here we maybe had uh, missed before, Dennis, in our appreciation and consideration of Christ's redemption. Absolutely, Chris. You can see that he had to be God and man, and this God-man had to be related to the Spirit. Otherwise, redemption would not be adequate in every aspect. Hmm. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Christ accomplished redemption. Not only through the Spirit, but into it. There was a result. There was an issue of Christ's redemption. The issue of Christ's redemption is not just forgiveness of sins. The issue, the unique issue of the redemption of Christ is the Holy Spirit. My after four Gospels, what comes? 
The Spirit. Even before the ending of the four Gospels, Christ predicted that not only these comforter is here, another one will follow. So, when he was going to die, he told his disciples he would pray that the second, another comforter would come. And this other comforter was what? The spirit of reality. And then after his resurrection, he came back that night to the disciples and he breathed upon the disciples and told them to receive the second comforter, to receive the Holy Pneuma, to receive the Holy Spirit. If today we could only preach the redemption of Christ without the Spirit. We are pitiful. We just preach a dead redemption. Where is the power of the redemption of Christ? It is in the Spirit. The greeting is connected to the four rings. Without these two poles and the four rings, how could this heavy article move? It was really heavy. So, the Lord Jesus told his early disciples, you wait at Jerusalem until the Spirit from on high will fall upon you. Then you'll get the power. Then you'll be the witnesses of me from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and unto the other part of the earth. Hallelujah. The redemption of Christ, the cross of Christ, moves by what? By the power of the Spirit upon the human shoulders. Hallelujah. Well, Dennis, I think if we took a poll of most Christians and asked them, what is the primary issue of Christ's redemption? The overwhelming reply would be the forgiveness of sins. Of course, this is not an incorrect answer. But I think according to what we just heard, we need to be clear, it is an incomplete answer. What would be the more complete answer, Dennis? Based upon Brother Lee's fellowship with us in the life study, I think we can see it's very clear that the redemption, the goal of redemption, or the primary issue of Christ's redemption, is not to go someplace or is not just forgiveness of sins. The primary goal of redemption is to receive the Spirit. This is made clear by Peter speaking in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, Peter was speaking. The repentant people at that time were receiving what? They weren't receiving just the forgiveness of sins, but Peter said that they would receive the promise of the Spirit. This is in Acts chapter 2. Then in Galatians 3, Paul says the same thing, that the repentant ones would not just receive a a blessing for the future, but the blessing of the Spirit. The Spirit is not only the holding power or the efficacy of Christ's redemption, but also the issue of Christ's redemption. The real issue of Christ's redemption is the Spirit. Chris, this is the all-inclusive Spirit, the Spirit that we receive. This is promised by God to us, and we have received Him as the real blessing today. Dennis, you alluded to the day of Pentecost, of course, um, the day when this word of Christ's redemption, in a very real sense, was first publicly brought forth. 
But as you get into both what preceded it was uh, this time when these disciples were together and praying so desperately and fervently according to the Spirit. When the Spirit was ready, that was the time to speak. And the issue of the speaking was not simply, as you pointed out, the forgiveness of sins, but it was the receiving of the Spirit. These two things, the redemption and the Spirit and its incorporation into the whole act of redemption, cannot be or should not be separated. Right. Today, unfortunately, we have made it separated. You receive redemption, forgiveness of sins, but then you have to wait to so-called receive the Spirit. Actually, they're one and the same. They're inseparable. You cannot separate the grading from the rings. They're just one. Hmm. And then, of course, as we're out of time, but a marvelous point at the very end of his speaking about the move of the Spirit, it's related to the move of this word of redemption. Again, a marvelous, marvelous point. Thank you for joining us today. Dennis, thank you. You're welcome, Chris. I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.